Greetings, everyone. This is KYRS, Medical Expo Ken, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And you're listening to Art Hour, and I'm one of your hosts, Mike Malson. And I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. Eric, who are our esteemed guests that we have Well, let's let them introduce themselves. This is the Young Bryans. Larry. Brian. Jamie. And Dave. All right, and you've got a big 30th anniversary show coming up on Saturday. And uh, 30th anniversary of what? The band. Yeah, right, but is it the yeah. first gig you ever had? No, it's is not it? really like that. But right in the middle of where the band was really happening, um, almost to the day. So it's, yeah, 30 years. Yeah, I think um, our, <clears throat> our album, Andy's Warehouse, came out, I think, in either the end of 1989, right? Or maybe the very beginning of 1990. So it's like kind of 30 years of that as well. Fall of 89, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And how did this whole thing come together? The 30 years? Um, a little bit of tragic circumstances. Um, one of the guys that we played with um, before Brian joined the band was a fellow named Mike Wirtz. And Mike and Jamie and I got together originally with another drummer, uh, a guy called Carl, and we played in a band called The Raves together. And uh, Mike was really young. Uh, we all were, but Mike was really young. Um, and, you know, pressures of homework and parents and all that kind of stuff, he ended up uh, leaving the band, but he's the one who named the band The Young Brians after Brian Young. Um, and uh, so anyway, we, we all stayed great friends, and, you know, we all played in bands together over the years, even after... The, the young Brian's and everything. And uh, last September, uh, Mike had a tragic accident and passed away um, up in Alaska where he was living. And so we all came together in Seattle last October to um, pay tribute to him and um, do a little memorial service. And while we were all there, really the four of us together for the first time in a very long time, we just started kind of doing this talk about, you know, we really should get together and, and play again. Mm-hmm. And get together because uh, you're not all local, right? Right. I'm in Seattle. Uh, Jamie and Brian both live here in the great uh, Inland Empire, uh, and I live in Durham, North Carolina. Okay. So you came up here just for the reunion show? Yeah, yeah, to visit family, but also that this was the main impetus for coming up. And what took you to North Carolina? Um, I moved to the South back in 1992, actually, and I lived in Memphis and Jackson, and uh, then I lived in New Orleans for a long time, and uh, Hurricane Katrina kind of chased me out of there and so uh, my wife and I uh, resettled in Durham and that's where we've been for about the last 10 or 12 years. Are you playing music down there? Uh, I am. I'm mostly playing uh, just kind of in a little acoustic duo and I do a lot of uh, writing and recording but I'm not really playing in an active okay. band any longer. And how about the rest of you guys? What what have you been doing musically since the Young Brines? I mean I know a lot of your stories but uh, people who be, are listening might not know. Um, well, Brian and I have always been in a band together one way or another over the years. Um, Burns Like Hellfire was one of them. Brian played in Silver Treason a little bit. And the last maybe five years, we've been trying to do Cursive Wires. Um, and that's been up and down. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's about right. I spent a lot of time in the flies. Spent a lot of time in the flies. And then, like Jamie said, Burns Like Hellfire, those are my two main bands. Um, and uh, yeah, other than just a lot of little projects, we know how it goes around here. It's kind of an incestuous <laughs> scene. We, we all end up in each other's bands. Yeah. And how about you, Larry? I've played in a lot of bands you've never, 
ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, good bands, a, though. The, uh, Junk Train, uh, Two Ton Boa, um, The Gods Themselves, uh, right now playing in Vibragon, kind of a shoegaze band in Seattle, mm. um, Society of the Silver Cross, um, and just, just a lot of different bands, yeah. Well, I know nothing about the Young Bryans. Um, I moved to Spokane in 76, but at this th- I was trying to do the math with the 30-year reunion. I think I was just finishing college or something like that. So I'd just be interesting to know, how, how did you all just come together and know that this was going to be a, a band that at least was going to develop some sort of chemistry that was going to make an impact on Spokane music scene? Uh, Brian and I went to high school together in North Idaho, and so we were uh, really, really close friends from out there. Um, we kind of started playing music together, um, you know, uh, on guitar, and Brian was playing some bass and things like that. And we played in a cover band out in uh, Cheney, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> several great cover bands. Shark Sandwich uh, was probably the wow, best. nice. Yeah. Final Tower <laughs> reference. Um, and then uh, I ended up meeting Jamie. Uh, because we both took guitar lessons from a guy called Jim Trainer, who played in the band Black Rose, which was a very popular um, like hard rock cover band around here. And uh, we pretty much had instant chemistry, started writing together really, really quickly. Yeah. And um, then uh, Brian joined the band after uh, Mike left, as I was talking about earlier. And then uh, we, we heard about Larry. And it was this, <laughs> it was this big thing where yeah. we, we heard this guy was so good but he also really wanted to be in a <laughs> reggae band, which we most assuredly were not. So we um, we met him. We I tried would... to give off a lot of Rasta vibes. It wasn't <laughs> happening. But he still, uh, we got together and tried it out. And again, just the chemistry was like, it was pretty quick, I feel like. Yeah. And how long were you all together? Four years. Three, four, four years. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And we still kind of well, are. Like, so nice. you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, right. That's the thing. We've yeah. always... Uh, We've all played music with each other in different arrangements over the years, um, you know. So we've yeah. never really kind of lost that musical vibe. Uh, Larry came down to New Orleans several years ago, and we actually played a show as the fake Young Bryans um, <laughs> with he and I, and, and Mike was down there. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done some solo recordings that Jamie's worked on. You know, Brian and I trade ideas all the time. So, yeah, and Jamie had me play. I did a percussion solo in one of Jamie's bands, The Makers. Yeah, yeah, uh, Larry's on you might have heard of them. Really, <laughs> really cool makers track called "Concrete Wall." Yeah, this really excellent kind of junkyard percussion thing that's going on. Yeah. And that was just random. I like, ran into you in Fremont, and Seattle. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> really? hey, we're recording on the street. Yeah. You want to come down? I'm like, sure. <laughs> like bringing my suitcases of junk. That's so weird. I didn't know. That. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's awesome. Oh, you played yeah. marimba on that song. Yeah, too, I, I we were, like taped like these. Di- dimes to the marimba so it rattle a bit yep. it was like oh, wow yeah, that was fun so how did you get like in, involved just in music i mean were you a kid and just kind of heard other bands and said i'm gonna play guitar i'm gonna play drums i'm gonna play guitar and those kind of things is that kind of how it started for each of you and because obviously you still have a, a passion for it and i i hear jamie a lot around town now so i know he's still playing but i, I think jamie has the best musical origin story so. I do. I was Dave's fascinated when I met Jamie because, I mean, he was so good at, so I mean, he was probably 17 or so yeah. when I met him. 
and uh, he was already a, an incredibly accomplished guitar player. Um, but he also went to this incredibly small high school in North Idaho in uh, Worley. Oh, that's right. Yeah, remember oh, when you went to high school dear. there? Yep. And uh, <laughs> well, your graduating class was like five, right? Well, it was six. Yes. Wow, just, seriously? You, you I forgot about that one kid. You don't have a chance really to start a band with anybody at that point, you know? So yeah. I was driving into Spokane uh, when I was 15, 16 years old, you know, trying to be in bands. But um, yeah, and back then, um, I think we were all just interested in being in a alternative rock band a band that wasn't a heavy metal band or a top 40 band you know those were the kind of things that we just didn't want to hear and so there was this kind of different thing going on that nobody really knew what to call it i mean sometimes people would call it college rock or college radio mm -hmm. music or maybe they'd call it guitar pop or whatever you know because it was all based on the guitar it's just that it wasn't going to be a heavy metal style of guitar even if the guitar was still loud and rough sounding it wasn't going to be like a Van Halen band or whatever but uh, so we were just I think uh, trying to to form a band that was like a college radio band or a, right. an REM or replacement style band and I think I'm super super lucky to have found these guys because it just turned out to be something that you know was pretty special so back then what were the the venues that uh, mm -hmm. you guys played in here in Spokane well believe it or not the Big Dipper was one oh, of them yeah, um, yeah. We, the Raves played at the Big Dipper before it even opened. It was like a fundraiser. Yeah. Um, and I think that it was like a big party, and I think that was November of 1988 Yeah. yeah. Um, that we did that, right before the club opened up the next spring. I that it, we, we also, as the Raves, we played a lot of shows at 123 Arts, um, which was just the most incredible incubator for mm -hmm. talent. And huge shout-out to David Gustafson, who is just like, all of our grandfathers uh, and the grandfather of like a thousand other kids in the city mm -hmm. that just gave us a place to be. We practiced there for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. Lots of just incredible bands that came before us. Um, that was their place oh, yeah. as well. So that was a huge venue. Yeah. Um, and, and then there was also Henry's Pub, which is just <laughs> across the street, you know, is garage land now. Um, Henry's Pub was kind of a, a Gadsby's kind of hard rock top 40 bar and we started playing there and um gu and whitworth kids started showing up and just kind of shifted the whole thing into a different scene or whatever so and um yeah we did that all summer long we played we would play there uh four nights a week um four hours a night yeah mm -hmm. and doing some covers but not all covers we had a lot of original music and we yeah. were just throwing in our favorite songs to try and fill out the rest of the night you know <laughs> so yeah. Everything yeah. from, uh, you know, Dancing With Myself by yeah. Billy Idol to, you know, like, yeah, I mean, we've played millions of covers now. We were all trying to remember them earlier. Um, <laughs> but but it, that experience at Henry's, I think, is the thing that, like, made us a really good band, mm -hmm. made us really tight because it was four sets a night, four nights a week. Yeah, and just yeah. playing all the time. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was your and, cavern um, club, huh? It, it was yeah. our cavern club, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was pretty fun for the summer and then we just figured that well we should just have opening bands you know we should just have our friends bands start opening up the shows and so that kind of changed into a two or three band night mm -hmm. instead of just the one band yeah, playing right. all night yeah. long so yeah we we were really lucky because again there were so many great spokane bands before us that really created an underground scene the vampire lesbos and all those folks um all the stuff you see in spokane archie um but i think the difference was we were maybe more 
kind of palatable to the college crowd or whatever. So when people would book us, it would bring in a lot of people and they would drink a lot of beer and, you know, everything else. And um, so we, we felt like we were just kind of in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it wasn't. Know? It wasn't really a mosh pit kind of thing. It's funny because right. I can remember the entire dance floor at these clubs with couples paired off dancing like it was still <laughs> the 50s or 60s or yeah. something. And, and we were by, playing like modern English yeah, or whatever. And, you know? and just around the corner, by the time Nirvana became popular, you'd have the five guys show up with their shirts off who wanted to start the mosh pit. Right. You know? And so it just kind of changed into a more... We actually changed our own sound into mm-hmm. being more aggressive you know, to sort of cater to that or whatever. But... Yeah, it's kind of funny how we um, were around a little bit before that and got to see all that, whatever, kind of yeah. change the cl- change the entire floor of the club, that's for sure. Now, Brian and Larry, how did you two get into music? How did that start for you? Well, for me, Dave, um, us, us being in high school together, I think Dave started playing guitar with a couple of other high school guitar player guys, and pretty soon it became a band. Um, I really liked music and thought, well, I'd like to be involved. Uh, I see the girls that are starting to kind of mill around. (laughs) This seems like a good thing. And uh, there was never a bass player. Just nobody wanted to play bass because that wasn't (laughs) sexy at all. I was like, well, screw it. I'll I'll be the bass player. And it didn't take that long. Turned out that, you know, I was a natural with four strings. You know, six strings was another story. It still is. (laughs) But uh, with four strings, it seemed to work out pretty good. And, um, And then so, yeah, that started the cover bands. And I started playing my favorite songs. And then, um... Shoot, yeah, when I had the chance to be in the original band, in the Young Bryans, I was like, well, I don't know, man. I'd... You said no. I said no. Because <laughs> I how How'd they convince you? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think that I Beer. actually had some time to think about it. I was like, well, you know, I can only play these, this Deep Purple song, you know, another four or five times before I'm going to get tired of it. And so, yeah, it just, I think it dawned on me that I, I, I said no because it was too scary. And yeah. so I had some time to think about it. And then like, you thought, right. they've already named themselves the Young Bryans. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to join. Yeah. I was in a super safe perch, you know, to be able to just observe and pretend that I had something to do with it, but I didn't. Um, uh, yeah, and, and ultimately that's what it was. It just was a real challenge, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't still be playing music if if I hadn't done that. You yeah. know, so I'm grateful to these guys forever for doing that. Yeah. How about you, Larry? Uh, so my mom is a musician, so. We always had instruments around the house, and I just, you know, one of my favorite pastimes was just listening to records, whether they were my mom's, like, classical, you know, records, or my brother's, you know, Van Halen, or, you know, whatever, ACDC, you know. And, um, you know, we had instruments, we had guitar, viola, and um, at at some point we had a snare drum, and that's kind of what I locked in on, and then you know i was in you know middle school bands and stuff but my first um like band where rock band i played drum set in was high school and it was kind of this you know cure depeche mode kind of you know cover band and then um got into this kind of punk band um and then yeah just kind of went went from there but yeah so you said you played around town and you had the four sets four nights a week. Did you ever get out and get out of town very much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did a bit. Yeah, Seattle mostly, mm-hmm. um, Bellingham, Eugene. Yeah. Did we ever play Portland? Uh, I don't know. Moscow. Did Coleman. we ever play in Portland? I don't think so. Yeah, oh, I don't think weird. so. Definitely played no. in Eugene, and we also played in uh, Montana. Montana. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like there's a story there. Yeah. Is there a story there? The Dharma Bum Show. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. We just broke down in a van on the way home. The way Jeff uh, Jeff Templeton uh, from Motherload was our roadie, uh, volunteer roadie, of course. And he knew how to fix everything, but unfortunately not the van. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we had to get towed. Larry uh, Larry had access to AAA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a godsend because we'd still be walking over the pass right now. That's really true. Long I think the response years. was like, well, what is that? And, and is it going to help us? Yeah. <laughs> and it did. But it was a, it was a, it was a fun show. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you you guys ha- obviously had your own developed your own sound and kind of your own charisma that made it popular here in Spokane. So from a like an artistic point of view, what was your process in terms of writing a song and then mm. figuring out how the the rest of the the song songs are going to go with the different sounds and and the guitar parts and all of that? Was it a collaborative effort or is it kind of a leader? And then uh, did you jam it all out or kind of interested to know how that worked out? I get, when we first started writing songs, it was Jamie and I mostly. And uh, when I first joined up with Jamie and Mike, they had a whole bunch of songs that were completely recorded instrumentally. And they just gave them to me and said, here, this song is called As Far As She Can Manage. Now write some lyrics and a melody. <laughs> I was good at titling yes. the song. Yes. <laughs> and just stopping. Yeah, that. no, it was incredible. He had all these great titles. And... Um, so I would I was going to Eastern at the time and so I would he gave me this little cassette and I would just sit there at my desk and not do my schoolwork and just like listen to it over and over and write 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 and then we were laughing about it earlier today um, one time he just called me on the phone and said listen to this and he played a thing through the phone and I came up with the melody for it and all that but that was how it first started but then later one of the great things that I got out of this band is that it became just incredibly collaborative um, you know. Larry is the drummer who wrote some of the best riffs, you know, that we've had in the band. And all of us have, like, written and contributed to the music. Brian would come in with the bass line that would be very busy or whatever, and then Jamie would put some really cool chords over it. And, and it became very collaborative um, mm-hmm. over time. So you'd kind yeah. of write them on the spot. You, you would just get together, not necessarily have an idea, oh, yeah. and just was... let it bubble up from the bottom, huh? Oh, yeah. There was always a band room kind of setting going on yeah. where we were trying to work our way through the songs. I don't know what I would have done without Dave because I don't sing at all. I can't sing. I can't believe I'm talking into this microphone <laughs> right true. now at all. I can't so. believe it either. <laughs> never seen a microphone in front of his mouth before. I've, I've always needed to to have somebody to collaborate with, you know, to complete the songwriting process. So I'm pretty lucky to have hooked up with Dave, that's for sure. Yeah, n- none of us ever came in, though, with like a complete song. It was like, here's my song. Yeah, and you have learn to this, learn this, right? Learn yeah. the parts. Or, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we we never did that ever, and and even you know most of the time the music they would be working on music stuff, and then I would just start sort of scat singing over the top until we kind of came up with a hook or an idea or whatever. But yeah, it was always yeah. very very collaborative. So playing now, you guys have gotten together. When's a, when's a, the last time you actually played together? And then now that you're getting together, what's the rehearsals like and the songs you're going to play? Well, we played together about four hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in 30 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, that's really? Fun. For the well, four of us. Yeah, yeah. for all four of us. Um, again, we've all like worked in different little pieces before, but for all four of us, it has all sincerely been since 92. Two. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, August of '92, I think, and then yeah. I moved. Well, we um, were we were in Cameron's basement for an afternoon. We oh, did do that's that. right. Uh, that's true. That was yeah. about so 10 that's years going, ago. Maybe going back, like maybe that was like 10, 2005 or something. Yeah. So 2005 was the last time you had all four played together that, before today. And that was just in a band room, kind of you know, a jam just, session. Oh, thanks for remembering that. And we only yeah. did that just you know, to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah it wasn't for a show or anything. We just wanted to get together. So we, we got together yeah. this afternoon to just move the equipment into the place we're going to practice, and we decided to do a sound check, and then that turned into about six songs, and we were like, wow. We didn't want to yeah. stop. We actually, <laughs> we actually got, I don't think we had to yeah. stop during any song. Yeah, we like we, No, it just came right back to you, huh? Yeah, oh, we've that, all been yeah. No train wreck. You know? <laughs> yeah. no Is that your motto now? No train wreck? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it might be. I just, I'll, I'll text you. <laughs> we're, hours. We're, we're like physicians. First, do no harm. Right, you know? right. right. All right. So far, so good. Yeah. Well, let's hear one of the songs. Uh, maybe, is the song you're going to play, is it something you played today? Um, no, we haven't actually played it yet. Um, I think first we'll play. Um, so uh, we've got to give a big shout out to um, Bob at 4,000 Holes. Um, Bob also ran a record label called 4,000 Holes. And um, he put out a single for us um, that was a song called Around Above, Beyond Below. And the, the B-side was uh, Bowling Shoes. And um, we, again, right place, right time. Um, during the summer of, I think, 91, it was in the rocket charts in the top 10 for about four months in a row or something like that. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so... That was kind of our, our peak of visibility outside of Spokane. Um, so we thought we'd play um, the, the A-side from that, which was uh, around above, beyond, below. All right, great. Cool. I can't wait to hear it. Again.
That was awesome. Blast from the past. Uh, As the song was playing, I was asking you guys about uh, the recording of this record. And, uh, you know, now with uh, computers and all the other stuff, it's just really easy to do. It's really easy to get that stuff out. So uh, what was that like, getting that whole thing together, recording it? I mean, actually having that, that 3D thing in your hands, like you don't probably have too much anymore. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was tape machines, the the old Fostex two inch probably eight track machines, um, and we did the first one in a guy's basement up north. Um, his name was Gary Hansen. How did we even yeah. get there? I don't I know. Don't he know. Was wasn't it a Black Rose? <laughs> he was one of it the might guys. Have been a Black Rose reference. He, yeah, or he, he, played, had done, he played in a hard rock cover band. He had done the gallery though too. Remember? Right. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. yeah. And so maybe they told us about yeah. it or something. Hmm. Oh, that could be. Yeah, I can't remember. We just had his phone number, and that worked out really well, though, for us. I mean, we were, we were pretty happy with it. I mean, you know, whatever. It was our yeah, first we, time recording. We recorded so. fairly quickly, I feel like. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do remember he did make some good suggestions, too. As a, He was into it. Sort he of producer. Really, yeah, yeah. yeah and it was that. way outside his yeah. wheelhouse, you know? But, we uh, like, he had me double track a lot of the vocals on um, the first album. And I, w- I didn't want to do that. It didn't seem like a live thing. And then he told me that John Lennon double-tracked all of his vocals. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, and we had a couple of like weird accidents that kind of turned out okay. Like there's a song that um, just ends abruptly. And it's because literally the tape ran off the reel. <laughs> but it kind and of, you left it? Yeah. Well, we yeah. had no choice uh, but to leave <laughs> yeah. it, you know? That's true. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, he was, he was good with us about sound and everything. Um, yeah, definitely. It was pretty fun. It cost eighteen hundred dollars. Did you really? You guys what? remember that? Jeez. Nope. No. Wow. Yeah. That's that? pretty expensive. Well, we, yeah, it sounds really crazy. And was, that was just for the recording. That was not for pressing the the recording and the mastering. That was just for the I think. time. Just for this. Maybe yeah. it was. Maybe that was mastering everything. Too, yeah. yeah. But then and then we that one we just put out as a cassette. Um, hmm. It was like CDs were still like too new. Like nobody had a CD player. Hmm. And um, vinyl was kind of hard to get. We just pressed for like yeah. a full length, you know, and, and the cassettes were cheap. Totally, and it so. was between it was an in between yeah. time too. I think right. the, the vinyl was going away, which seems weird now, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. um, I understand cassettes are coming back. Oh, do you guys hear that? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's want, there's bands still putting out cassettes, kind of like a little novelty thing or whatever, but it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, are you? Is anybody going to record live your show coming up this Saturday? We're planning on it. Yeah. yeah, Chris Larson's going to be oh, doing cool. sound and um, planning on recording the show. That would be great. Yeah. Has the Big Dipper, when you, have you walked in 
how long has it been for you like to be in the big dude? <laughs> Thirty years. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, uh, Brian and Jamie have been there many times, or you know, more times over the years. Right. So I'm, I'm the same as Larry. I haven't been yeah. in there in thirty years. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it really has changed much because that for me it hasn't changed Not a whole much. lot. Not much. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of what uh, you yeah. would point out. It's minus really a pool changed. table up above. Yeah. There was always a pool oh, table as you walked yeah. in. That's about the only thing I can yeah. think of that's different. Yeah. Oh, there's a, like a little courtyard. I think it's yes, right. maybe, right. I don't know if they let you smoke cigarettes out there or not. I don't think they're supposed to, but yeah, they do. I think that's about <laughs> right. But that's about all. That that was new. Yeah, That, that would have been trouble if that was a place back yeah, then. Right. Yeah, the, I, we played that wasn't a, open a lot at Henry's, like we said before, but the Dipper was more our you know, thing because we just play there once a month or whatever. It gave so. us our first chance too, right? That was our first bar opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and we loved the stage there. It was just kind of like perfect for us. Um, I have some great pictures of us on stage at the Dipper. Um, there's one. Uh, I wish I could show it on the radio, um, <laughs> but it's kind of a quintessential picture. Larry's got his head flung forward, and he had long, really long hair then. It was all in his face. Uh, Brian and Jamie are both leaned over really deep on their guitars. I have no shirt on for some reason. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm wearing like really tight acid wash jeans. Nice. Uh, yeah. And there's like there uh, three, three half drunk pitchers of beer on the stage, you know, which were just for me and Brian pretty much. Yeah. So uh, we just, we have very fond memories of there. And, and uh, our, uh, our manager back then, another really, really incredibly important person um, to us was uh, Terry Grobe, you know, who of course is a Spokane legend uh, with Grobel Productions and uh, everything else. And uh, yeah, Terry, Terry was really the one, we met him at Henry's because he was the bouncer at Henry's and he just really liked our band and was like, I know how to do accounting and I'm super strong. Can I, <laughs> can I be your manager? And we were terrified. We were like, yes. Um, but uh, he, he like ran a tight ship at the Dipper and he always was bringing great bands from out of town, you know, and facilitating all that, like the Dharma bums, of course. Yeah, Hammer bogs. Yeah. We got to open for um, mm-hmm. the posies um, one time at Henry's. And I think uh, Terry had a lot to do with that. And, um, so it was really just a really good time at the Dipper, and the scene was just really happening. There were so many good bands. There was Big Feeling. Um, there was... Um, nice World. Nice World. Um, Who are playing Saturday, of course. Right. Yeah, you were mentioning that Nice World and Lonesome Polecats, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that, that they're uh, compatriots from back in the day? They Absolutely. are. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. In fact, this, this, this trio of bands could have been on the bill easily. <laughs> Oh, it yeah. probably was. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I wonder in 1991 that. or whatever. Yeah. So. yeah, that's true. Uh, but both just excellent bands and just still all really good friends of ours. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned too. So Terry Grobe, uh, you started to mention Bob Gallagher. What what part did he have in what you guys were doing? Well, he put out the record. He was our record label. Yeah, yeah, four thousand holes. Yeah. Now did he yeah. he. He did that for a fair number of local bands, didn't he? Wasn't there? He put out a nice there were a lot of seven, seven inches for coming sure. out, yeah, um, and a few others, yeah. And uh, yeah. Bob just really loved, you know, he's a, of course a lifelong musician, <laughs> you know, going back to the seventies here in Spokane, and so he was just really into whatever was happening. Um, and um, yeah, even after I moved away, I lived in Memphis, and I, I put out an album down there, and, and Bob actually put that one out too, you know, hmm. even though. There would be no local interest whatsoever or anything like that, but um, that was great. And you're playing an in-store Saturday, right? Yes, we are at 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. 
please come down. Ah. Now, is it just you guys, or are you going to have somebody else there? Or? Uh, I think it's just us. Yeah, it's just us. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you going to have, I mean, this, this seems kind of silly, but are you going to have, like, CDs available? Is there going to be some way for people to pick up Young Brian stuff while they're there? We we talked about it and we decided actually not to sell music. We we just uh, over the last few weeks we've put everything up on SoundCloud for free okay. and we made it all downloadable. Um, just because you know a lot of the people that are going to be coming out are people that bought our stuff back in the day and they've been supporters and friends forever. So it just seemed kind of weird to like charge them twelve bucks again. <laughs> you know what I mean to right. buy something again. Um, so we did that, but we'll have some T-shirts and stuff and like those that. Those will be fifty bucks a piece. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to make up. Yeah, I'd kind of like to have a copy of that poster too. Who designed that poster? Oh yeah, Kevin did the poster. Kevin Cameron. Oh, Kevin Cameron. Silver Trees and yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, Thanks, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, he did a good job. Well, he really captured the essence of the band. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. Young child on a big wheel flipping you off. It's <laughs> uh, pretty much what we stand for. <laughs> Oh wow! It'd be great to have a picture uh, them on stage now, and then have their other pictures on the Big Dipper stage back when they were playing. Well, sure. Dave, are you willing to take your shirt off at this show? <laughs> no, maybe? I'm not. I'm no. past that now. I've, I'm more mature. Um, uh, so no, but you know, who knows what's going to happen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> With those half-empty pitchers of beer. Yeah. Right. You right. Just right. Never know. Right, right. Oh man. So what are you all working on now? Are you going to do anything as a band together? Are you mm. thinking of uh, like writing a new song or anything like that? Or is this just kind of a one-off and then scattered to the four winds again? Mm. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> it's just being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of we just got today is the first day that the four of us have been together. We've been really excited to get together and just oh, kind of cool. see where things took us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so who knows what we end up discussing yeah. uh, by the end, end of the next three days. Yeah, the, the, the really cool thing about, uh, you know, we talked about the older technology and stuff, but the great thing about the new technology is that we can record even being 3,000 miles apart. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry and I did a song together a few months ago. He just had a track and didn't have vocals for it, and he sent it to me, and I recorded vocals and sent it back to him. And uh, Jamie has recorded on some stuff that I've done um, before. I played pedal steel and some guitar and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, it's been fun so far. Um, at practice today, one of the first things we said was, wow, it sounds like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right on. Well, was your move down to the South, was that kind of what precipitated the the end of Young Brian's? Is that what happened? No, we um, we had split up uh, a while before that. Um, you know, just the usual things. Um, just, you know, musical direction or whatever. And uh, I think we all just wanted to try some different stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, we, did, we got back together and played a show right before I moved. Um, that was really fun oh, yeah, um, yeah. at Henry's Pub, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which might have been called something else by then. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, we when I left, we left with good feelings. In fact, when I moved to the south, uh, Brian helped drive me down there. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I did. We had some adventures in the rider truck in the Ozarks. Yeah, uh, that's really true. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, so, no, that did, that wasn't the reason. But um, We were just oh, so young. Oh, yeah, we were. That's it's what just I was the just the age that, you're, that you are. It's really hard to keep four people together when they're at that age i think yeah so. definitely but, yeah. but well and you were asking earlier how long we were together it's and we came up with i think three four years 
I mean, I think all of you would say it felt like it really feels like it was a lot longer than that because three or four years when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, you you write (laughs) the story of your life oftentimes, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it seems like we were together for so much longer. We've all been part of each other's lives ever since then. And so it's kind of been an ongoing saga, I suppose. Saga. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what cre- new creative things now that are, you're doing? It sounds like you're still um, making music and things like that. What What's kind of the direction you're going to go uh, with your own personal projects? Uh, well, for me, I've, I, what I do usually is just write songs. And um, I've got some good friends in Asheville, North Carolina, that I used to play with in New Orleans. And one of them's got a little home studio in that. So, I mostly just go over and record with them. Not really for anything, like I don't really put it out except for to friends and whatever. And really for me these days, it's more of just a creative outlet. Right. Yeah. Well, listening to the Young Brian's early speaking of, I mean, thinking of songwriting, I mean, listening to that, it's definitely of a time, you know, it kind of takes Mm -hmm. you back to that. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, I know you two guys in particular, you moved on, Jamie, to the pedal steel. Yeah. Uh, you know, you both moved on to country stuff. Um, I mean, have you found that after that, uh, and I don't know about you other two guys, have you found that you still kind of gravitate toward that style, that indie style of music? Or what has the last 30 years, what has the journey been like for you guys after Young Bryants? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, I, I think it really just largely depends on, I, I think that I'd speak for all of us, when we're, you're always looking for inspiration as a music lover. And so you're always looking for new things to listen to, and it kind of, I think, oftentimes depends on on what really grabs you. I hadn't ever thought of any kind of country music or any kind of leaning until Jamie turned me on to a Steve Earle record years ago, and I listened to it once and thought, yeah, it's all right. And I listened to it again the next day, and just before long, mm-hmm. I loved every single song on the record, and it changed everything for me. It set me off on a new direction, and I think that that's what happens. It's not that like that happens you know once a week that maybe you're lucky if that happens to you and once every few years and that's the way it's gone for me anyway when i hear something that just really turns me on and grabs me i tend to kind of follow that bouncing ball now how did you get on to steve earl because i think that's weird i don't know if i'm speaking for all you guys but i was a late comer to country music as well mm-hmm. and you know you grow up and it's your grandpa's music right. and, oh yeah and yeah exactly avoid, yeah avoid at yeah. all costs yeah. <laughs> right yeah. right and was it just out of curiosity was it i feel all right was that the record or was yeah. it oh yeah, yeah absolutely. okay okay yeah. good good no question. Yeah. that's such a great record yeah, sure that's yeah. a gateway record definitely to, to country for love but well you guys got into it sort of together but i found it totally separately and you know same thing but i think i had to be a certain age you know yeah yeah i don't think i could understand that record (laughs) when i was 17 that's right of course it's so much more than a country record you know um but it definitely introduced me anyway to an old new set of uh of sounds and sensibilities yeah yeah for sure it's it's country rock really it's um i've always been a big Flying Burrito Brothers, you know, Birds, the early Poco, all, all the late 60s, early 70s, Southern California country rock bands. That's my, that's almost like my favorite kind of music of all time, really, in a way. And it's so much closer to rock and roll. It's all the same guitars and amps and drums and recording styles, all the same as everybody's favorite rock band. It's just that the flavor is a little bit different. And I was always really attracted. <clears throat> to the sound of pedal steel, I just didn't know 
anything about it. It's like, what is that sound, you know? Mm. And I would I would try and fake it on guitar sometimes if the song <clears throat> was more of a ballad or something that where it might work. And finally just found one in a music shop and took it home and just flat out got hooked on it. And not really because of country music, but just because it's a guitar, you know, it's like, it's just this crazy guitar. And it's a weird contraption, too. And you, it is, yeah. You can tinker <laughs> with it, and you can play any kind of music you want on it. You can play jazz or whatever on it. It's not really just about country music. Um, but that's a great starting point, you know, for that. And I've always kind of liked that sound anyway. So, you know, there's a really fine line between good rock and good country or whatever and to me they're almost just the same thing yeah so, anyway looking back can you hear any of the germs of that style of music in the music that you did <laughs> i mean I, i'm not saying like you created country songs i know you probably didn't I, do that but oh, do you yeah, hear yeah. that influence yeah, we, had one. we had one called honky tonk heart which was an original song but it was a country song and then there's <sighs> there's always one. those <laughs> sort of sounds are sneaking into our music like if it was a song like we'd be every day or mm-hmm. telegram or something something like that it's sort of borderline alt country kind of music little, or whatever little twang to it um, one of our favorite bands at the time that we played with a lot was the dharma bums and i would have called them alt country or you know americana or whatever and nobody would call them that back then because they just weren't familiar terms or whatever yeah. so but they were um really key for me to hear how a band could sound almost like a country band but not be one at right. all you mm-hmm. know so anyway and wasn't that about the yeah. same era that uncle tupelo came out as well early 90s yeah mid-90s, that's right yeah that's, yeah, that's right and they came from the same yeah. the same places that we did right exactly. punk rock kids yeah. that listen to the replacements and husker do totally. you know who then picked yeah up. even my favorite band of all time really the replacements their very first 45 the b-side of it is just an acoustic country <laughs> song totally. hmm. so Speaking anyway. of the replacements, have you read uh, Trouble Boys yet? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And he loaned it Very to me, sad. and, and, and yeah. oh, I just loved it. It's such a good rock bar. I mean, it's, yeah. I think it's the best. One, one. of my favorites. It is fantastic, but it also makes you like have a lot of feelings. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just what a, a little little anger, a little sadness, a little. Yeah, you know? it's pretty crazy. Well, he starts yeah. with that Stinson story, and it just yeah, it's yeah. just such a bleak intro. Um, I'm reading the Jeff Tweedy. Um, memoir right now yeah, and he was talking about uh, seeing a replacements re- the replacements open for X yeah. in mm-hmm. St. Louis mm-hmm. right? and wow. he said he loved the the, um, the just how anything could happen and what happened is uh, Paul Westerberg fell over <laughs> into the um, off the stage nobody was paying any attention to him and he, nobody would lift him up so he just completed the song uh, just <laughs> <laughs> laying oh, on the ground of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he I mean it was just the seminal show and Dave's so. Dave's taking notes for something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's his shirt on? That's, that's what I uh, haven't gotten to that part yet. Yeah. 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 So uh, replacements was a big influence on you. How about you, other guys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely, replacements was one of the bands that we had in common, Jamie and I, when we met. Um, I was a big Pixies fan eventually, but I came out of like, I mean, I listened to metal like crazy in high school. Pink Floyd, The Beatles, all that stuff, and I didn't really get into. Um, the other stuff until probably like 86 or 87. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not one of those people that can walk around saying, yeah, I was into Black Flag in 81 or whatever. <laughs> um, and then like Camper Van Beethoven was a really big oh, yeah. influence for me. Um, just that whole warped lyrical thing, but also so tuneful. And then uh, I got really into Elvis Costello. He's still a huge uh, influence for me. Oh, 
one of yours right there. Oh, he's, he's, he's my all-timer right yeah. there. Is that right? How about you two? Yeah. Yeah. What was the question? I can't forget. Influences. Who oh. who did you just love back in the day? You know, um, something that uh, the band that blew my mind, coming from the same kind of background that Dave did. I think I, I, there was girls that moved to our high school that turned me on to X. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple. We had a friend that was really into Dead Kennedys. Eventually, he got really into Joy Division, uh, New Model Army. So that was kind of on the radar a little bit. Yeah. But still, metal to the bone, through and through, right? <laughs> Until I got in a band with a guy, coincidentally, the guy who owns the Big Dipper now, Dan, oh. and he turned me on to Dinosaur Jr. And oh, when I heard yeah. Dinosaur Jr., I'd never heard anything like it. And it was You're Living All Over Me, I think, was the, it was the album. And uh, mm-hmm. it, just, it just blew my mind, and I wanted more of that. I just wanted anything to do with what gave me that feeling. And yeah. that's number one for me. How about you, Larry? Yeah, I mean, the band that sticks out to me, I mean, I mean, you know, I listened to a lot of stuff, obviously, and the replacements and R.E.M. were really big in the kind of the formative years of this band. But the Jane's Addiction really mm-hmm. struck a chord with me, yeah, yeah. and which was I'm partly to blame for the 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 hard turn, of the, <laughs> the, the, the heavy turn of the band. Because um, I was just writing just heavy like riffs, you know, yeah. and just kind of like with the times or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that that one definitely sticks out. But I mean, since the, since the Young Brines, I've been in. I mean, yeah, Americana bands, disco punk, shoegaze, avant garde orchestra, gothic folk, um, heavy two bass like sludgy. I mean, it's just. I mean, I just love you know like. To Brian's point, it's just like whatever kind of inspires me. It's just like that's cool, and I like to kind of stretch myself and play, you know, different styles. And that actually reminds me of something great. Um, the first time that we actually heard Larry play was he was in the orchestra pit for Little Shop of Horrors at the Civic Theater. <laughs> the Civic Theater, and I think. I went at least five times because huh. I also fell in love with the show. Um, <laughs> but every time I would hear this, you're like, oh, Larry. Yeah. I all about that. I went with you one of those times. I remember that. Yeah. Well, maybe it's time to hear one more song. All right. Yeah, we thought we'd play one off of off the first album, Andy's Warehouse. And this was a song that I think came like really organically i feel like this was all written at a practice like this oh, wasn't yeah, one, this that is one like, of the ones that just yeah um uh, it's called uh, rebecca and we wrote it about um the the actress rebecca schaefer who was killed by a stalker you know back in the late 80s before that was a thing you know a common thing or whatever and that whole thing about fame and whatever and uh just we felt like it came out well so all right i look forward to hearing it
Well, it was interesting. As that song was playing, I uh, I asked Brian, well, I asked everybody about it, but I said, so is it like uh, putting on an old shoe? Was it really comfortable getting back in? And you said... Uh, for me, it was like relearning a language that I'd forgotten. It was uh, it was hard. It's, it's been challenging, but really, really great. You know, I, I I needed it. You want to be challenged if you if you play. You know? And what was the hard part about it? Uh, the arrangements were were really difficult for me anyway, just because it felt like another language. Uh, that was the hardest part for me. Did you arrange the songs like that on purpose? Oh. Do you think you were trying to be complex? <laughs> oh, sometimes, yeah. yeah, we were. We were yeah. just trying to have the songs include a bridge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we also liked like little endings that were like, odd, yeah, yeah, you know, you a weird chord special. or you know something like that. That was the fun fancy. part. Yeah, it was you the know, fun part. Yeah. The fun part. Yeah. yeah. We're known hey. for our endings. Yeah. <laughs> People love it when yeah. our songs. When our songs end. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave, you mentioned that you wish you would have written more linear lyrics. What do you mean? Uh, I wrote a lot of stream of consciousness where I had like the idea of what the song was. You know, to, in my head, I'd be like, "Well, this is about struggling with communication," and then the song would turn into a struggle of communication. <laughs> no one would know what it meant, you know? Yeah. And so like coming back to those 30 years later that, you know, things that probably meant a lot to me then, um, it was a little challenging to reconnect with. And then also just kind of remembering the words because they were sort of all over the place. Um, but it was good. It was actually kind of weird therapeutic thing to like sit and think about, well, what was I trying to say in this song? And, and honestly, there's a couple that I wasn't trying to say anything. Um, they just, Bowling shoes, uh, <laughs> really about anything, uh, you know. But but some of them were, you know. Um, so it, it's been really really fun on a lot of levels, and also rehearsing these by myself. You know, we all have been rehearsing by ourselves before we got together. I took on such a huge new appreciation for these three guys and their abilities at their instruments. You know, we're just like phenomenal to me like just listening really closely and you know I know these songs like the back of my hand so you kind of stop listening to the nuances you know and like hearing Brian's bass lines through a bunch of uh, we have a song called uh, Symptoms Of where Jamie's playing this solo you know and Brian's playing the notes but then he's going up the neck with them and you know like just really hearing that or you know some of the roles that that Larry does that I talked to him about earlier today that's been like a really, really gratifying thing about this process. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was asking also while the song was playing, uh, how do you feel hearing these songs? And, and Brian, you mentioned, you know, was, you heard a bunch of young kids, heard a bunch of young kids doing their best. How about you guys? I mean, what is, I mean, 30 years ago, I, I know how I feel listening to my old tunes, but it's kind of complex. What, what, what emotions pop up mm -hmm. as you go back and revisit yourselves 30 years ago? Mm. I, I mean, I think, for me in general, like Brian was saying, maybe while the song was playing, it just it just brings back a lot of good feelings. Mm. Like the that's the the most, you know, it's just like ah, oh, this is you know, this makes me feel happy and mm -hmm. I'm excited to play with these guys again. And then, but as I was sitting down to relearn my drum parts, I was really hated myself, my 18 year old <laughs> self. <laughs> like, what, what was I thinking? And, yeah. and, and was For I doing so cocaine? Like, how could I play so fast? I'm, I'm so old now. But um, I mean, it was, and it, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I was just like way too busy. Like my style is diff different, like right now than it was then. And, and as everyone's is, but it was just like, wow, this is way too busy. I think I'm going to 
chill out a little bit. <laughs> so do you think your songs are going to be a little slower on Saturday? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they... they well, we felt that way about them in the <laughs> rehearsal this afternoon a little bit, but then we realized that, you know, show night, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're 22 that's true. or 52. That's yeah. true. The adrenaline and everything. It, yep. You always play no. too fast oh, on yeah. show night. Always. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. I would just like to know, you guys are all together now and, and, and talking, haven't seen each other, some of you for a while. Just kind of what, what, what's your emotions right now? Just being with the band again, knowing that you're going to be performing uh it'll be an interesting feeling once you're on stage and you kind of look at each other going god here we are 30 years yeah, later i just kind of like to know pretty happy about it it's pretty special feeling i guess and maybe a little bit nervous yeah. <laughs> um uh, only i guess that has to do with just wanting it to be uh good i want it to sound good i want it to to feel right or whatever i'm not worried about us playing i just want the show to go off without a hitch and be mm -hmm. a good show you know yeah. i think so i might be a little bit nervous about that because we haven't done it for so long but other than that it's pretty much just going to be business as usual another good good night at the dipper well, you get a rehearsal at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so we won't tell Bob that's yeah. what we're calling it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've reached the end of the hour. Let's uh, just recap what where people can see you. Uh, Friday, uh, Saturday, 2 o'clock, you're playing an in-store at 4,000 Holes yeah, on Monroe. How long do you think you're going to play there? 45 minutes, hour, something like that? Yeah, probably 45 yeah. minutes or so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday they uh, Saturday evening, they're not going to be able to catch you because you are sold out. Do you know if – did you hear anything about day of tickets by any chance? There are going to be some. I heard yeah. there were going to be a few at the door. At was the door. Was all, was all okay, right. so there, there definitely will be. I just don't know how many. Okay. Uh, so if you, if you want to wait in line uh, – pitch your tent on Friday night on that <laughs> scary corner. I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just now. <laughs> Let's go live. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you know what time the show's supposed to start on Saturday? Doors open at 8, and the first uh, note should be right about 8.30, 8.40. Um, is is the what the plan is that usually oftentimes means yeah nine o'clock right and right. Um, yeah I'm assuming you're, it's going to be solid music from nine to midnight right on that's awesome. going to be fun yeah. all right well good luck uh, on Saturday Thanks, at both of your shows Thank I will you. certainly be yeah. there Saturday afternoon um, I'm excited to hear the in store and yeah. thanks for coming in and I hope it goes off without a hitch Jamie yeah. uh, I hope all the memories come flooding back you can play as fast as you played when uh, you were 18. Uh, we, we've got some uh, stimulants for that. <laughs> and I hope you guys have a great time. Thanks again yeah, for coming. Thank it was really you, great talking to you. Thanks, 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 Thanks,